Grubblies is a nutritious snack that can be fed to your flock daily for happy, healthy chickens. That's right. There's a huge difference between a snack and a treat. Healthy chicken snacks like Grubblies are a great supplement to a well-balanced feed, and chicken treats are to be fed sparingly. Grubblies have 50 times more calcium than mealworms and are packed with protein, so your flocks will have those IG-ready feathers. Work it, ladies. Ow, ow! <laughs> Get the official snack of our flocks, Grubblies, by going to grubblyfarms.com and use code FARM15 to save 15% off your first order. Sam, and we have a visitor today. We do. Finally, somebody from Coop Camp is joining us. So today we have Twain from Neutrina, which did several talks at Coop Camp this year. So hi, Twain. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's good now that I got this beverage open. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Hey, it's the first one of the day, I swear. I bet. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> this is not my first one of the day. Oh. There you go. At least you're honest. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so what you drinking over there, Sam? So because I was outside doing some farming things and not drinking, I swear, um, I decided to grab a spiked seltzer, the Ventura Lemon, because uh, then it's like I'm hydrating while dehydrating. So hmm. that's what I got today. What are you drinking, Bev? So I have an Urban Artifact Flash Lamp, which is Ooh. a tart white uh, ale. And that's a brewery in Cincinnati because I like to... No, yeah, it is. It's Cincinnati because I like to drink <laughs> locally to Ohio. Yeah, my brain just like did a little dump there for a second. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's super delicious. <laughs> So what are you drinking over there, Twain? I have a Leinenkugel Snowdrift Vanilla Porter. I am in Wisconsin, so uh, Leinenkugel is kind of king out here. Heck yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's a delicious beer. Yeah, it is. So is it just really hot in Wisconsin right now, and you're just thinking you need something to cool you down with like, uh, the snow? It was um, <laughs> what was the first thing that I grabbed out of the reefer. So nice. uh, <laughs> it's not that hot today, actually. It's it's actually very nice out. It's in the high 70s. Uh, it's been real hot. It's been in the 90s. Mm. Much needed cool down. Yeah, I'm jealous of that temperature. It is hot here. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't even gotten mosquitoes yet to speak of. What? <sighs> Lucky. Gnats, yes. And and actually the gnats have been killing the chickens, but that's oh. a whole other thing. Yeah, that's a bummer. No bueno, no bueno. No. But welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. Yes. Thank you. The, the mini-sode. Mini-sode. And uh, we also want to take a second to thank our drink sponsor, Natalie Quist. Thank you for sponsoring our beverages this episode. Cheers. Cheers, lady. And so I think we can turn our attention fully to Twain. Um, Bev gave you a brief introduction, but do you want to 
say hello to the listeners and give them an introduction about who you are and what you do? Yeah, I can do that. Uh, my name is Twain Lockhart, and I work for Neutrina. I am their small flock poultry consultant. And you might be thinking, okay, poultry consultant, small flock, what's the difference? Well, there's actually a huge difference between commercial and backyard. I feel like I've got like the funnest job in the world. I get to deal with the people like you, the boozy farm chicks, and <laughs> you know, people, uh, the consumers that have a half a dozen chickens, not the big con- consu- uh, excuse me, commercial uh, poultry operations. Mm-hmm. And so I travel around the country, uh, especially in the springtime, and I do talks or seminars and teach people how to get started with chickens. Which sounds like the coolest job in the world. Oh, it is. It's like way too much fun. Um, But don't tell my boss that because they they, they won't want to pay me any money if they think I'm having so much fun, you know? True that. (laughs) And that's what it is. You know, if you like what you do, and I've been raising chickens, oh, God, 40-something years I've been raising chickens. Uh, Most of my life I've had chickens, so... Uh, it, this is a lot of fun for me. It really is. And I go to a lot of poultry shows and, uh, the summertime is a lot of county fairs. I deal with the 4-H kids and the FFA kids. Uh, mm-hmm. and I was a product of that. So that's a lot of fun too. Yeah, that is really neat. So we met you at Coop Camp. Um, how did you and Brad get connected? Um, we, when he was doing his Coops for Troops program, uh, I'm a veteran. Uh, I was in the Coast Guard in the 80s and, I saw that they had this program where they they help these uh, returning veterans with PTSD by getting them chickens. There's been a lot of studies that show how therapeutic chickens are for PTSD as well as uh, kids with autism and things like that. Anyway, uh, I just thought this was a great program. So I uh, offered to kind of help him and we, we got Neutrina to sponsor him. And he kind of, well, you know, if you want to come talk, I guess. And, you know, I was like, well, you know, I've done this a time or two. And so I went to the first one was in uh, Arizona and uh, did a pretty good job, I felt, and uh, enough that they invited me back. And I've been to, I think this is my fourth one, the one that you met me at. So, uh, but that's how I met Brad was through Coops for Troops. Very cool. That is really cool. And we'll have a link to information about that program in the show notes so that there's there's any listeners out there that want to know more about that, they can go um, click that and find out. Yeah, it's really a great program. It really is. So, Twain, while we were at Coop Camp, you did a couple of seminars for the group and you talked about feed and how... Uh, there are different kinds of feed and they serve different purposes for different kinds of flocks. Do you want to give us just kind of like a quick rundown on some of the different options uh, that Neutrina has and what their highlights are? Because I found that was one of the parts of one of your talks that I mentioned in one of our Coop Camp episodes that I found to be really informative um, just because like I always just thought chicken feed was chicken feed and it almost didn't matter what you fed them as long as they got enough to eat and they give you eggs. So I think the listeners could really learn a little something from that. Okay. Um, what I run into all the time is first off people, ah, they're just chickens and, and that's a whole nother subject. But in that same breath, if they're just chickens, it's just chicken feed, like you said, and it really isn't. Um, we offer basically three levels. We have the country feeds. I, I like to use automobiles as an analogy. I like um, that. <laughs> all right, so country feeds is like Chevrolet. 
it's a great product it'll get you there uh, the chickens do well on it it's a little bit on the no frill side uh, it's not an economy line it's more of a mid-level line and then our Cadillac is the nature wise and that has more bells and whistles the di big difference between the two the nature wise has pre and probiotics in it and it has an immune boosting patented product called flock shield and it helps boost the chickens overall immune system or your bird because you can feed it to waterfowl too mm. um, so it is the Cadillac now we also have an organic line uh, nature smart it's not any better than the nature wise it just has the organic label it's certified organic uh, certified GMO free uh, has the same vitamin pack as nature wise and also the pre and probiotics now the pre and probiotics um, think of um, kind of like yogurt for chickens I mean our activia for chickens it, it boosts their <laughs> gut health um, and we have found with animals and actually with people too if your gut health is good your overall health is good and mm -hmm. so the pre and probiotics are very important the nature smart also has the flock shield in it as well for the immune system it's a lot more expensive because of that organic price tag um, but it's more of a a lifestyle choice i'm not going to say your chickens are going to lay more eggs on nature smart they won't but if you want the organic tag there it is we have that as well so those are the three lines we have we have the country feeds as a mid-level the nature wise and the nature smart are our top shelf um, so that's you know you kind of get what you pay for um, your entry-level feeds they may not lay as many eggs so you're saving you know 50 70 cents a bag but they may not lay as many eggs for you so okay. you know you the better the feed the, the healthier your chickens are going to be and probably the more I can't promise that I've got to be careful how I word that but in most cases they'll lay more eggs for you if you feed a better feed hmm. well, that makes sense because they'll have all the nutrients they need to actually build that egg internally and lay it like they'll kind of hold on to their energy if they aren't given enough of the right kinds exactly and they'll yeah. probably eat less when you when you feed a better feed they eat less because they're getting the nutrients that they need and chickens are pretty good at self-regulating unlike people uh, we just keep eating uh, chicken <laughs> when it gets what it needs it pretty much stops which is good I mean and you know I was gonna say I I free range my chickens here and they always have access to feed and I don't know that I've ever noticed any of my chickens getting like quote unquote fat unless I went out there and like I used to give them too much scratch because they really like the candy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing they won't <laughs> they won't regulate themselves on, but <laughs> scratch is like candy, but and it won't hurt your chickens, but they're not getting what they need out of that. So if they fill up on scratch, uh they're not gonna lay as well. It's only about nine or ten percent protein. Your layer feeds are sixteen to eighteen percent protein typically. So that that's the danger of feeding too much scratch. Um, yeah, that totally makes sense. But it's not typically going to hurt the chicken. Okay, I mean they they do okay. They may take longer to molt. Um, they're not going to lay as well, and they're also not getting the vitamin pack that they're getting out of the layer feed. Yeah, that that totally makes sense. And you know, you yeah. mentioned the pre and probiotics and. 
I remember from an, one of the other talks that you did at Coop Camp, because you did a few, uh, you showed pictures of these uh, meat birds and how the feed with the pre and probiotics really affected Oh yeah, the yeah. way that they grew. And I just like saw that in my mind just like blew a little bit. It was like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing the difference it makes. And, and, and meat bird feed is one of the ones that people just, they, they go by the protein level and the, the price tag and nothing else matters. And I wish they would, we would, they would allow us to educate them a little bit because, okay, maybe you're saving a dollar a bag, but if the bird has to eat a lot more feed and it takes it longer to get there, you're not saving anything. Okay. The yeah. longer you have those meat birds, the more chance you have that you're going to lose some of them. So if you're saving 50 cents or a dollar a bag and it doesn't have pre and probiotics and it doesn't have a good vitamin pack and it's not a consistently well-made feed, you're not saving anything. Yeah, because time is money too when time. you're raising meat birds. I mean, <laughs> it, depending on how many you raise, you've got to house them all and continue to feed them all and care for them all. Yeah. Well, and they are so different than your laying hens. And if for the people out there, if you've never raised meat chickens, we're, we're talking about Cornish cross meat birds, the big white ones. They are dumber than a bag of hammers. They really don't <laughs> they have, are. they really don't have any personality to speak of and what they have isn't good. And <laughs> you're counting the days. And I, I hear this from people all the time. They're like, oh my God, you're right. Yeah, you're counting them down to where you're going to process them because you just want to be rid of them. You want to, you want them, you want to eat them and they taste really good and they taste better when you raise them yourself, but they're just, they're dumb and they're kind of nasty and and <laughs> not trying to talk anybody out of doing them i'm just trying to be realistic here they are not the most hygienic of birds have either of you ever raised meat birds yeah i did last summer and i haven't raised any this year yet i keep talking about it but i haven't been able to make myself go down and pick some up yet just because they were a lot of work and they yeah. were really gross yeah, deep shavings are your friends when you when you raise meat birds. Uh, yeah. the, the other thing is don't mix them with your other chickens. That's another mistake people make. Mm. Um, the other chickens will pick on them, probably won't yeah. let them eat. Because they don't move as fast. <laughs> they don't move as fast. And I did I say they're dumber than a bag of hammers? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh my God. And I'm not I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm just being honest and they really don't have much of a personality, which is kind of cool because with your laying hens, you get real attached to them. Yeah. You aren't going to yeah. get attached to these things. Yeah. No, I, I did not get attached to mine. I did pasture raise them, though, instead of keeping them inside. So they were a little more active. Yeah. They took longer for sure. I think I raised mine for nine weeks. And amazingly enough, I didn't lose any to yeah. sickness or um leg issues or heart issues or anything but when they got to that nine week point I was like all right they were about five and a half pounds ish I was like it's time to go if I hold on to this any longer it could go bad yeah you were only about a week past the curve not oh, not okay. too bad and for those of you that have never done Cornish cross meat chickens believe it or not eight weeks from hatch to freezer they're like something off the sci-fi channel they grow so crazy fast in fact, they grow so fast that you really should restrict their diet. Um, mm. Most chickens, you free feed them as much as they want. Give that chicken all it wants to eat. It's going to self-regulate, not these bad boys. You need to restrict their diet. You can free feed them the first three to five days. 
After that, 12 hours on, 12 hours off. Don't turn this into rocket science. You don't need a timer. All you got to do is don't fill the feeders at night. These guys, remember, they've got a light on them. They will eat all the time. These are the Homer Simpsons of the chicken world. <laughs> they seriously, they will, they fall asleep with their head in the trough and their eyes yep. pop open and they start eating again. Aww. And I'm not exaggerating. They eat, they sleep, they poop, repeat. That's all they do. Yep. So what happens is they actually have a name for this. They call it flip over syndrome. If you feed them too much, they actually have heart attacks. And when chickens have heart attacks, they flip over on their back. Now, they don't do this when they're little. They do this when they're like five, six, seven weeks old, when you have all that time and money invested in them. So, and it's especially important if you're feeding a better feed with the pre and probiotics in it, because they're going to grow so much faster. So you want to restrict that diet. You're still going to get about a five and a half, six pound carcass at at eight weeks. Now you can go nine or 10 weeks but the longer you go, the more chance you're going to have that they have problems. And what I mean by problems is they die on you. Right. Leg problems is a pretty common issue. I usually find out what happened is they start them off on a layer feed. They start them on baby laying feed, uh, like an 18% check starter. And they put them on that for three or four weeks and then move them over to meat bird. No, you need to put them on a meat bird diet from day one. It's a higher protein. It's usually about 20 to 22% protein. You got to build up that skeletal system and the muscles to hold all that weight. And if you don't, they're going to have leg problems. So I'm not going to say all of them, but a percentage. Yeah. Same thing with the, with the flip over syndrome. It's a percentage thing. You know, you may lose five, 10%. I've heard people lose as many as half. I've heard people lose them all from overfeeding them. Wow. Hot weather. I'll do them in too. They don't do well in the heat. Yeah, no, they don't. They do not like the heat. That's really interesting about the um, feeding them the meat uh, bird feed through the whole time. So I live in a really tiny town. And when I kind of picked up my meat birds on a little bit of a whim. (laughs) And then I went to the and then I went to the feed store and got the feed that I needed for them. And they didn't have any like chick feed in uh-huh. stock. So I just got the grower. I got the, the grower feed that they give to the 4-H kids. And that's what I used for my meat birds. They're like, yeah, this is what all the Ross County 4-H kids use. So you're going to really like this. And they're like, you can just feed it to them all the way through. They don't need to change. And it may, may have been I did have protein. good health. Yeah. yeah. It may have been a little. And every brand is a little different. I know some of my competitors they, they recommend they have like three, two or three feeds. It's a more complicated program. So you start them with a meat bird starter, then you do a grower, then you do a finisher. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's how they would do it commercially. Uh, we just opted to make it very simple. You know, one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Commercially, they do that because you're dealing with an industry. If they can save a quarter of chicken, it's a big deal. So if they can save 25 or 30 cents per chicken because you're processing, you know, a million at a time, all of a sudden that's a lot of money. Yeah, that's a million quarters. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a lot of money. Uh, you could spend a lot of time in Vegas with a million quarters, huh? Yeah, but I'm just seriously. saying that it, it's all about, you know, it's very, very finely tuned commercially, um, poultry industry is. So... We just opted to keep it very simple for our consumers because we have a lot of 4-H kids and a lot of FFA kids. And I, I was a 4-H kid, and I would probably not have been disciplined enough to do that program. Whereas 
feeding one size fits all. Hey, I could do that. Yeah. That well, sense. and it makes sense financially to do the one size fits all because then you don't have leftover feed when it's yes. time to switch over. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That too. And you're not talking about saving very much money. Uh, you know, so if you have 10 chickens and you saved and you're not buying in any kind of quantity here with 10 chickens, you know, you might save a nickel or a dime a chicken. And it's really not worth the savings if you can make it simple and just one size fits all. So you mentioned a little bit ago when you were we were talking about our bag of hammer friends, um, the Cornish Cross, <laughs> that they taste good. So oh, yeah. I know that you know a lot about meat, chickens, and how the different breeds taste differently. So can you help walk us through that and well, what tastes the best and what tastes the worst? <laughs> okay, let me let me tell you a story. Maybe this will illustrate it. Uh, okay. About ten years ago. I was in Tennessee, and I was not working in the poultry industry at that time. And I overheard a couple of guys that I worked with, and I didn't know them that well, but I overheard them talking, and, and the one guy is a great big guy. And uh, he was he was an older guy, and he was kind of lamenting the fact that he had spent the last, like, three decades trying to chase down, trying to make his grandmother's chicken and dumplings. And he was ordering spices from Europe and, you know, different kinds of flour. And, I mean, just really going to extremes. And he just could not get it the same. And I overheard him and I said, I know what your problem is. And he kind of gives me this look like, yeah, what do you know? And I, I was like, yeah, you're using the wrong chicken. <laughs> and he goes, what do you mean? Chickens are chickens. And I go, no. Back in your grandma's day, your grandma probably walked outside for Sunday dinner and whatever chicken wasn't moving real fast that day went in the stew pot. <laughs> and he goes, well, yeah, probably. And I said, that's very different than what you buy in the market. What you buy in the market, probably very close to 100% of what you get in the market or Popeyes or KFC, anything like that is going to be a Cornish cross. What grandma was cooking was probably an old Lang hen. And that laying hen might have been two or three years old, might have been five or six years old. Who knows? It's going to be tough as an old boot if you tried to barbecue it. But that's why yeah. you make that's why you make chicken and dumplings or stew or soup or something like that out of them. And he kind of, yeah, well, where am I going to get an old hen? And I said, well, there's a, a live farmer's market where you can buy livestock. And I told him where it was. And this was on a Thursday. Well, Monday... He comes in, and this guy grabs me in a bear hug and starts spinning me around like a little Disney princess. <laughs> and I'm not a little guy, okay? He was so ecstatically happy. Oh, my God, he was just overjoyed because his quest was finally over. He said it wasn't Aww. quite there, but it was so close. He said that he almost started crying when he took the first bite because Aww. that was it. It was the wrong, He'd been using the wrong chicken all these years. Huh. Now, you talk to people from other countries that come here, and they will tell you, your chicken sucks. Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> well, it doesn't have any taste. It tastes like whatever whatever we season it with or whatever we cook it in. Otherwise, there's no taste. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the, the Cornish Cross chicken came out in the late 50s, and they really changed everything, changed the whole industry. Um, they're super efficient. We're able to produce mass quantities of very, very inexpensive meat protein, which is great. But they taste very, they're very bland, actually. And I want you, both of you, to try that the next time. Next time you cook a chicken, think about what it actually tastes like and, and see if I'm not right. It's going to taste like the seasoning or whatever you, whatever you fried it in or cooked it in. Mm -hmm. 
the options that you have, let's say you're going to do backyard chickens, instead of raising Cornish crosses, maybe try some of the newer, well, they're not really newer. They've, they've come back on the horizon again. Uh, Red Rangers is a very popular one. There's a hatchery, and I believe they're in Pennsylvania. All they do is called Freedom Rangers. They're a red chicken. They're not as efficient as, as the Cornish crosses. They're more like 12 weeks from hatch to finish, which is still pretty good. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, but it's mostly dark meat, and you know what? They taste like chicken. I know that sounds like a really dumb <laughs> statement, but they taste <laughs> more like chicken. Okay, another quick story. About three years ago, we did a, an event in Madison here in Wisconsin. Uh, we had 10 people raise Red Rangers, 10 people raise Cornish Crosses, and then we bought 10 supermarket chickens. We had a local chef go to great pains to cook them exactly the same way. Then we did a blind taste test. Okay, to be fair, it wasn't all that blind because the Cornish crosses are mostly dark meat. But out of 65 people, 56 of them picked the cor uh, Red Ranger. None of them picked the store-bought chicken. Wow. Wow. So that kind of gives you an idea. Now, that being said, a Cornish cross you raise at home is going to taste better than something you buy at the market. Because, for one thing, when you process that chicken, you're not going to immediately take it and pump it full of saline. They yeah. use a saline solution to help preserve those birds, and that saline solution starts breaking down the muscle tissue. So, when you do a Cornish cross yourself, the first thing you're going to notice is that, yeah, maybe it doesn't have the same taste like a Red Ranger does, but the texture is better. It's going to have more tooth to it. It's, going to have, uh, it's not going to be as mushy as a bird you buy in the market. Yeah, it totally makes sense because it can hold up to time in the freezer when it's not pumped full of exactly. salt water, essentially. So, yeah. And you know, when you do them yourself, you know what they've been fed. You know how they were mm -hmm. processed. And that's a whole other subject for maybe another show another day talking about processing birds. Um, and I don't want to get into that too deep here, but... Uh, if you're going to do a lot of them, do yourself a favor and spend about 400 bucks, 500 bucks. Get yourself a chicken plucker because that is the, and I don't mean your wife. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but they make these things. They look like a, uh, kind of like a washing machine. It's like a yeah. drum and they have these little rubber fingers and you take your dead chicken and throw it in there and it spins around for about 45 seconds and it spits out a naked chicken. They're so cool. It's been on my wish list for a while. Yeah, I only I want, did 13 chickens last year. So oh, okay. my husband's like, we can't buy one if we only are doing 13 chickens at a time. <laughs> so, like, well, maybe someday we'll do more. <laughs> and, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, like maybe your local 4-H club buys one, you know, oh, they, yeah. and, they, and they all like, you know, you pass it around type of thing. Oh, that's not a bad idea. I'll have to look into that. Um, yeah. Then the other, the, there's some other options on, on your chickens. Some people now... Here, here's one I hear all the time. Do you all know what the difference between straight run and pullets are, correct? Yes. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, a pullet is a baby chick that's been sexed at the hatchery. They usually run about 95% accurate. Straight run means just how they came out of the incubator, which means at least 50, 50 to 60% male, probably higher. Um, and that's because when they pull their orders... They pull the pullets first, and so you're when you buy straight run, you're kind of getting what's left over. So oh. that f the average hatch is 55% male. So when they're doing it that way, when you do straight run, 
they're pulling all the pullets out of there, what you're left with is probably more like 80 to 90% male. Oh, no way. Yeah. So <laughs> here's what somebody's great advice. I hear this all the time. Somebody will tell somebody, oh, save 50 cents a check and buy straight run and then just eat the roosters. Okay. Remember on the Cornish Cross, we said it was going to take eight weeks to get them ready to eat. The Red Ranger is 12 weeks. How long do you think it's going to take? Let's just pick America's favorite backyard chicken, the Rhode Island Red. How long do you think it's going to take to get those roosters big enough to eat? I'm going to say 20 weeks. Yeah, you're actually pretty close, about 26 <laughs> weeks. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. Even longer than I thought. <laughs> Are you saving any money? By all means, spend the extra 50 cents and get pullets, Okay. I will say that those Rhode Island Red cockerels, when you raise them up and you eat them, they taste pretty good. They have a lot of flavor to them. Here's the thing, though, guys. If you go more than about six months on them, they're going to get like a rubber boot. That seems Ooh. to be the cutoff time. So after six months, they become a stew chicken or a gumbo chicken, uh, something like that. You don't just throw those on the barbecue. They literally are like a rubber chicken, almost inedible. You know, that totally makes sense. I had a, a friend that was keeping chickens and uh, he was he, she had a rooster and he was a terrible rooster. He didn't protect any of his ladies. His entire flock died. So then she just had a rooster and he got like really mean. Yeah. He started protecting her and like flogging her all the time. And then he just follow her everywhere. Well, one time he attacked her so much that she just like couldn't anymore and she killed him on accident while she was fighting him off and she's the type of person that she's like anything that dies by my hand I'm going to eat so she prepared the rooster and she ate it and she said it was the grossest thing ever <laughs> and she asked me what she might have done wrong and I was like well I usually leave mine in the fridge for like 24 to 48 hours before I cook it to let like the muscles relax a yep, little bit. That's a good idea. Yes. Um, but I was like, I've never intentionally eaten a rooster, so I'm not really sure. I do know the older they got, like the sort of, you know, the worst quality their meat is, but Well, they become they become a stew chicken. They just and it, it seems like at six months they're fine and at like six months and one day they're a stew chicken. It's like <laughs> I mean, it's like right after six months, most breeds they just They've gotten so tough that you have to, to stew them, pressure cook them, something. And then they're very flavorful. If you're ever in Mexico, get caldo de pollo, the, the, the real chicken soup. And if it's a good, authentic Mexican restaurant, you know, the bones are in it. I mean, it, it looks really weird. And if it's mostly dark meat, then it's probably the real deal. And it is like the best chicken soup you'll ever have because it's made from an old hen. Hmm. Well, the Amish down the road, they sell old stewing hens. I oh, might have yeah. to pick one up sometime because I was always, I was a little iffy about that. I was like, oh, I've heard that those don't taste very good. Like, they don't if you try to barbecue them or bake them or something. You have to pressure cook them. You have to st stew them or gumbo. or You have to break them down because they're going to be really tough, but they're super flavorful. Okay, that's good to know. And, you know, um, I'm... I'm somebody that I think uh, people always think that this is really strange, but I really hate boneless, skinless chicken breast. What? I only eat thighs. Yeah, me too. Because I like I, the dark I, yeah, meat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you you're, you would like the Red Rangers. That that's or get some heritage breeds. And uh, there's a couple of things we haven't touched on. I don't know if we have time to touch on them. 
Oh, yeah. We've got as much um, time as you're willing to talk. Okay. Do you know what a capon is? Yes, we do because we were at Coop Camp with yes. you. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. For those of you that don't know, a capon is a castrated rooster. And they're not very common anymore. In fact, in the 50s with the Cornish Cross, it kind of made them obsolete. They're still around in other parts of the world. And how can I put this? The American palate, we've gotten kind of insensitive. Um, once you've had a capon, it's like, oh my God, they are so good. But because they're hard to find and they're expensive, the last one I saw in the market was like this little scrawny capon. It wasn't even a very big one. And it was like 48 bucks. Oh my and God. Just, yeah, most people are not willing to spend that. Uh, I wasn't willing to spend it. I, but I've had capon before. It is to die for. But they actually do surgery on these birds. And it's their jewels or their testicles are not where you would think they would be. They're underneath the wings. Uh, typically the left wing, but sometimes you have to go in from both sides, usually from one side. Um, and you go in and you remove those when they're about three to four weeks old. And then they get real real lazy and fat, kind of like a steer when you castrate a, a bull. Mm. When you castrate a bull calf, it's, it's a great analogy. That's what you're going to get. They don't crow. Uh, you can't mix those with other chickens because they're super docile. The other chickens will beat the crap out of them, probably kill them. Mm. Um, and they're just not nearly as efficient as the Cornish crosses. You know, they don't have to pay somebody to caponize a Cornish cross. And the Cornish cross grows faster because there's no trauma. You know, you are traumatizing these little birds, and it kind of stunts their growth for a little while until they kind of heal from that. And they heal pretty quick, but you have a couple of weeks where they just kind of plateau for a while, and then they take off again. But you're looking at, they're probably, you're probably getting close to that 26-week uh, mark to get those up ready to be big enough to eat. But, oh, my God, are they good. They're really good. Uh, so the capon is another um meat bird that most if you ever see one in the market and they're on sale or something do, do yourself a favor and get them they're really really good the other one if you're ever in france do you two go to france all the time oh, all the time I every other weekend yeah i thought so <laughs> next time you go to france order a poulet brise that is the national chicken of france so when you go into the restaurant and you order this they will bring out the actual dead chicken it will either have the head or the feet on it so you know that you are truly getting a poulet brise and the reason why is because you're going to spend about 130 euro for this chicken dinner oh my god they are fantastic now i've never had one in france i've not been to france um that was a national bird of France. They protected it. If you tried to steal eggs or baby chicks and get them out of France, the French government would sue you vigorously if they found out. <laughs> um, well, somebody got some out into Canada. And before they could find him, he crossed something else in there. Just enough to where he called it the American Brace. Even though he was in Canada. He called it, the I guess for North America, the American Brace. They're a white bird with blue legs. Huh. And about 10 years ago, Greenfire Farms was the only place that had them. And he was getting $1,500 for a day-old unsexed chick. Oh, my God. Now Whoa. you can get them. You know, the neat thing about chickens is they propagate pretty fast. You can get them now. There's a guy in Mississippi that has them, uh, Brace Farms, and I think he gets about 10 bucks a check, which is still pretty high compared to Cornish Crosses and Red yeah. Rangers, which are like 2 bucks a check. 
but the big the cool thing about these Poulet Brises, they breed true. They're not a hybrid. So they're like a normal chicken. The the Red Ranger and the Cornish Cross are anything but a normal chicken. I mean, they're eight weeks and out, maybe twelve weeks and out. Uh they don't breed true. They can't even breed naturally because their breasts are so big. So they're a crossbreed. They're a hybrid. The Poulet Brice breeds true. So you could get those. They lay pretty good, about 200 eggs a year. They're not great, but they're not bad. Uh, we had some of those, and we ate them, and they are very, very good. Now, in France, they caponize them, and they also, the last several weeks of their life, they feed them a special diet, which is like, cream and whole grains and all this other stuff so i've never had that but i've had the ones that we raised and i gotta say they were really good meat chickens so there's a lot of options out there i will say if you've never done meat chickens before master laying hens first i would do a season of laying hens before you jump into meat chickens kind of get the idea of how chickens react and stuff uh laying hens are not quite as delicate would you agree with that bev since you've done meat chickens yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, my my egg laying hens, they're badasses out there. They can pretty much handle anything. <laughs> yeah. But the meat birds, I had to like fawn over all the time. I'm like, it's too hot. I've got to put a fan in their little chicken tractor. They're all in there laying on their backs like they're going to die of the heat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, they do pretty well with the cold, but not the heat. Yeah. So uh, spring and fall are two good times a year to do your meat chickens. Good. So I'm not too late yet. I can just do fall this year. Although That's, I like to do them in the fall. Personally. After talking to you, I think I'm going to try something new this year instead of the Cornish crosses because I do like I like my chicken to taste like something. Try the Red Rangers. They're still like two bucks a piece. Uh, they're not as delicate. They're by no means the brightest monkey in the meadow, but they are way smarter than a Cornish cross. I mean, they, and you can mix those with your other chickens. Oh, okay. Um, they're actually kind of a dominant bird. Uh, they will free range and they run around and, and you'll see as they start getting towards that eight, 10 week age, they kind of lumber around. They're great big bodied birds. Uh, they're not real agile but they're way more so than a Cornish cross. The Cornish cross is pretty much camp out in front of the feeder and just eat and poop. That's kind of what they do. Yeah, I had to start moving towards the end of my Cornish crosses life. I had to move their tractor three times a day or they were just sitting in their own waste. Oh, wow. And I was like, no, I'm raising my chickens because I care about the way that my chickens are raised and processed. That was part of my reason for doing it. So I'm like, I want to give them the best life that I possibly can. And you sitting in your own poop, you know, panting to that <laughs> was not what I had envisioned in my head. <laughs> well, you know, getting up to poop's a lot of work. So they yeah. just don't, you know, they don't bother. That's just kind of what, that's why I tell you deep shavings are your friends with those, with those. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if I had given them some pre and probiotics, their stomachs would have worked a little better. Possibly. I'm not going to make any promises that way. Because <laughs> this is more about the chicken than it is about the feed. It's yeah. the breed of chicken. They just, I, I'm sorry that whatever happened with that hybrid variety, they just, there's no brains going on. They're just dumber, eh, dumber in a bag of doorknobs, hammers, whatever you want to say. They're not too bright. And I, I really don't mean that in a mean way, if it's sounding that way. But... Trying to be honest, 
I think it's important to let people know what they're getting into, especially if they have been around egg-laying hens that are, you know, full of personality and smart and react to things. So I think it's important. And you can't get more clear than dumber than a bag of hammers, in my opinion. (laughs) Well, and don't try to make pets out of these guys. And that includes the Red Rangers, because what happens is they keep getting bigger. Mm. And at a certain point, they're just... I've heard of one lasting like 18 months. I think that's the longest I've ever heard. And that's old for a Cornish cross. They usually six, eight months and they just have heart attacks. They just get so big. Their heart can't keep up with all that, that body mass and they die on you. Uh, Turkeys do that too. People, this one's kind of sad. You know, I used to own a feed store and people would buy baby turkeys and every intent to eat them. Have you guys ever done turkeys before? No, not yet. No, not yet. It's on okay. my list, though. Your meat turkeys, the, the toms, they actually become very friendly. And the bronze ones kind of look like a wild turkey. They're kind of pretty, and they fluff up, and they kind of strut around, and, and the kids get attached to them. And so now Tommy, they're not going to eat Tommy. So Tommy's <laughs> on the Christmas card, and Tommy's a big pet. And then they come in like three years downstream, and they're like, oh, my God, Tommy can't walk. Well, Tommy weighs like 90 pounds. It's like, oh. well, because they keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually Tommy can't carry that weight and their late legs just give out and there's nothing you can do. And so it's very heartbreaking for these families. If you're going to make a pet out of a turkey, do it out of the hens. But the hens don't make as good a pet. And the hens don't have that problem. They don't just keep getting bigger and bigger like the, the toms. The toms are so big they can't even breed naturally. They have to artificially inseminate them. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, the heritage turkeys, don't they don't. But again, they're a little more closer to a wild turkey. They don't generally make a real good pet. Hmm. Yeah. Are there any um, breeds of turkey that you can think of that would make a better pet? You might get away with it with the midget white. Um, okay. It was engineered uh, or designed as a smaller turkey for people. Like maybe there's only three of you in the family. And, and so... The toms only weigh like 18 pounds tops. That might work, but you know we raised those, and I didn't find them to be all that friendly. But I, that's not a fair assessment because we only did the one bunch. Hmm. But I've done the I've done heritage turkeys, and they're closer to it. I mean, they're kind of like a wild, uh, uh, wild bird. They're not not as friendly as the meat turkeys. You know, they left all of that information out in the Berenstein Bears book that's all about the turkey that they ended up keeping that they couldn't butcher for Thanksgiving. It ends at the part where they open the window for Sister Bear and her pet Tom is hanging out in the backyard in his new shiny pen. <laughs> well, they last about three or four years. And, you know, they pardon all those turkeys every year at the White House, too, and those are great big white Oh yeah, and they, you know, the hens do okay. It's just the the toms don't seem to be able to stop eating. Can't put the fork down. <laughs> well, and the toms are so cool too because they've got like their snoods and their big tail feathers. And, oh, and what, yeah. their heads like a barometer. When they get mad, it changes color. I mean, they're really oh. cool. Uh, or or if they're happy or mad, their emotions it, it shows on their the color of their head. Huh. Uh, and they can actually become pretty good watchdogs, but. They just keep growing. The meat ones do. Well, that was all super interesting and I think really informative. Well, I hope so. I hope it helps somebody uh, not to make the same mistakes that I've made because all, you know how I talk about how well what I've seen happen. Most of the time that was with me. 
uh, making those mistakes. And if I can prevent just a few people from making the same mistakes and having a more pleasant, favorable, favorable experience with their poultry so they stay in it longer, I feel like I've done my job. That really fits in well with what we do here on our podcast, too. We talk about all the things that we've done wrong every yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, and I've done plenty wrong. <laughs> That's why you fit in here quite nicely. <laughs> well, and it's important to do things wrong so that you can you can kind of learn and grow from them. Um, but as somebody who is currently growing and learning, it's nice to try to prevent somebody from at least doing one of the things I yes. did. Yes. Can't protect them from all of it, but... <laughs> Well, meat chickens is one that people, there's just, they go in wanting to raise them like laying hens. And the other one I see that they make that same mistake with is people get pheasants and they want to raise them like chickens. And they just, that's a whole, that'd be a whole nother show uh, because it's the same thing. They kind of look like chickens, but they're not chickens. Meat chickens, yeah, they're the same species, and they look like the other chickens, but they're very, very different than your laying hens. Interesting. Yeah, I know nothing of pheasants. I know my dad used to hunt them and still occasionally does, but, like, as far as raising them. So that might be a little teaser. Maybe we'll have you back on to talk about uh, pheasants and maybe some other fun birds that aren't chickens or turkeys. Well, I will be at the National Peafowl Association meeting in uh, Ohio in uh, September. Where in Ohio is it? You know, Columbus, I believe, but I'm not positive on that. Uh, I'll have to look into going to that. They move it around. Last year it was in Kansas City. Okay. And... Boy, I last year I found out just how little I knew about those things because those are really exotic and and quite they frankly, are. there's not very many people in the world outside of the people that breed them and raise them that know anything about them. Hmm. Well, I'm only about an hour and twenty minutes southeast of Columbus, so you guys should go do the Ohio National Poultry Show. Oh, that'd be fun. That's oh, at that the Columbus really Fairgrounds. It's the biggest poultry show in the world. Wait, I know it's the biggest in the U.S. I think it's the biggest in the world. Okay, well, we'll fact check that and correct ourselves later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what um, we do around here. <laughs> if you just look up Ohio National Poultry Show on YouTube, you it, there's videos. It'll blow your mind. I've been to a lot of chicken shows, and that that's like the Super Bowl of chicken shows. Ooh. Ooh. It sounds very exciting. Yes. <laughs> yes, it, it is. And that was, if you're in Ohio, that's, uh, and I, it's big bucks. I think it's seven bucks to park and two bucks to get in or something like that. Oh, it's it's oh, not, so it's not going to break the bank. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, don't bother with Friday or Sunday. Just go on Saturday. All right. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Twain, for sharing your knowledge with us and giving us some laughs um this was really enjoyable and hopefully we can talk to you again soon about a different topic well thanks for listening guys we appreciate you tuning in and we certainly appreciate twain from neutrina for sharing all of his amazing information with us yes you always learn so much from him and he's just hilarious if if you guys didn't pick up on that he kind of meshes 
perfectly with our podcast mentality and the sense of humor and the, maybe the slight inappropriateness on occasion. And I think that's why Brad introduced us to him almost immediately while we were at Coop Camp. <laughs> like right. He's like, guys, you need to talk to this guy right here. <laughs> And I was feeling very introverted in that moment, too, and overwhelmed. So <laughs> I'm glad that, you know, we pushed through the introvertism and got to know him that weekend. Um, and I'm a, I look forward to continue to get to know him over the years to come. Yes. <laughs> and we'll have links to everything in the show notes for you. There will be a link to Neutrina. Um, Neutrina's Instagram, they share all sorts of cool stuff on there. Uh, there'll also be a link, um, all about the capon chicken and that fancy French chicken and some other cool stuff that we talked about, uh, just so that you can continue in on your knowledge if you'd like to. Yeah. So thanks again for listening to us. We appreciate each and every one of you mother clockers. (laughs) (laughs) So drink. Farm. And give zero clucks. Bye, guys. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm things.